award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for watching and listening. Uh, Jason Holland is back with us again for another show. Mr. Jason Holland Fishing is what I was wanting to, wanting to say there at the beginning. Well, hey, you got it. You get, yeah. We got there. Start off a little bumpy, but yeah. we got there at the end. It's all that matters. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me yeah. back. You know I love doing the Wildcast. It's my yeah. favorite thing to do. It's fun. I mean, you're our, you're our expert on it when it comes to fishing. You, wow. you keep us in line here on, expert. on how to do it. I mean, wow. you, you know, we got the biologist to help us with that side, yeah. but you're out there helping us to show people how to do it. Well, I appreciate that. Expert, that is uh, that is a big, tall order, so <laughs> no pressure. How you like that, Mr. Don? Just drop the weight on my shoulder as yeah. soon as we start this show. Uh, you got Perfect. more knowledge in it than I do. Uh, I love to fish, but... Uh, you go more in depth. Well, oh, in depth. In depth. Did well, I say deep? Is that a uh, just a cue? Was that was that a transition? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we haven't talked about our radio station yet, though. Hey, we need to. They're uh, important. We are going deep today, though. Okay, you ready? I am. WBMC McMinnville AM nine sixty. They cover the show. They have the show on their station on Sundays at 1230. Sunday at 1230. Yeah. Hey, as soon as you get out of church, kick on the radio, mm-hmm. and you'll get to hear uh, all this hopefully some good information and slash nonsense that comes out of my mouth sometimes <laughs> uh, so you can listen to as you're driving to go get some fried chicken yeah after church on sunday there you go turn us in if you're in mcminnville yeah you can't get the chick-fil-a but you can get the kfc well yeah yeah you can't you have to, you have to get jesus chicken on monday through saturday that's it and, that's it yeah you can't get it on sunday uh, but yeah we appreciate our radio partners wbmc mcminnville it's am 960 uh, Sundays at twelve thirty. We appreciate all our radio partners who uh, run the run the show and and get the word out there and help us spread the word. Don't forget our podcasting platforms. Um, we're out there on those uh, as well, and then our social media: YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all those fun places. You can catch the show. You can watch it. You can listen to it. Uh, there's so many options. So go check it out. Yeah, go check it out. I mean, it's it's good if you can watch it. I mean, you just have to look at you know us. But uh, you know, it's. Uh, we do like to throw up some baits and have some pictures. Uh, pictures. I like that picture. Hey, we show what? pictures sometimes. We sometimes. I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, you haven't showed me a picture. You're catching big fish lately. Yeah, but. well, it's just because apparently I don't know how to do that anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Man, I'm cursed with uh, small. I've got numbers going right now, but I haven't caught any. Just nothing to get super excited about from a size standpoint. But, yeah. you know, here's the thing. I I don't get to go nearly as much as I want to. Because mm-hmm. if that was the case, I would do it every day. Yeah. Um, but. Now at this point, there's something about going. I, I'm enjoying catching. Uh, I always want to catch quality, right? You always want to catch that big fish, and it's it's a ton of fun. Now I'm in that point where I like taking, you know, I like to take my kids, uh, take some friends or whoever that may not be into it as much as I am, yeah. and man, they just don't have the same level of of experience that know if they catch a five pounder, you know, really what that means. You know, for me, like a five pounder, you know, six, seven, eight. I mean, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, I, I appreciate it again. If you're not fishing a bunch, I mean, yeah, it's a huge fish, and that's exciting, but they're more interested in catching, hey, we went out and we caught 25 fish today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would personally rather go out and catch, you know, like two five-pounders. But, again, it's just all about your experience level and in what you've done in the past, and so the quality is important, but especially we're getting into fishing. We actually talked about this on the show as you're getting, especially younger, your children or um, grandchildren, whatever the case may be, as you're getting them into fishing, Man, don't go out and take them bass fishing. Oh, no. No, I don't do that. You're going to ruin them. They're mm. going to think ba- that's their first experience with fishing, and it's a completely scenario. Go get you know a 
box of crickets, a little you know crappie hook and a bobber, and go hit your local ponds or wherever. I buy your license. Don't be dumb. Yeah. Buy your license. Come <laughs> on. But uh, go out and let them experience that where they catch. I don't care if they're a little three. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You just want those first experiences to be where they're catching it, they're having fun, they're laughing, they're running, they're loud. Uh, I went with my grandpa, and one grandpa was that guy. We had a blast. We went uh, fishing below the dam. We caught a bunch of crappie, and it was just a blast. My other grandfather on the other side, uh, he was old school. And I mean, if you talked, I mean, you got to look. I mean, you were yeah. going to shut up and fish. It's what you're there to do. We're here to not. We're not here to have fun. Yeah. We're not here to spend time together. We're not here to build relationship. <laughs> you're here to shut up and catch a fish. And so it's completely different. You know, different aspects in the way they went about it. But I got my love for fishing from my own grandpa that we went and had a blast and laughed and ate lunch and just. I got my passion. Or I got the the drive mm-hmm. from my other grandfather, which was, hey, you know, it's it's that whole uh, we're here to work mm-hmm. kind of mentality. And so uh, I appreciate that I have both experiences. Um, but I will tell you, if you're a little kid and you're trying to get them into fishing, uh, don't go and just yell at them. All right, let them go have fun, let them catch a bunch of fish, and then they will love the sport. And then mm-hmm. as they grow into it, you know, they'll make whatever decision they want to make about fishing more. But uh, let those first few experiences be. Just catching a bunch of bluegill. And I promise you, as a parent, uh, and especially if you're a, par- a father that likes to fish, yeah. I'm going to be careful saying it, but it's it's the, it's it's not a lot of fun. All right? it is, it's is—it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just... You're you're tying on the bait and fixing yeah, the, the snags. And- yeah, I get out there, and right, so I'm on the water. God, I, I, I want to do what I love. I want to go fishing. But what I, I had to learn was I got to shift the focus off what I want to do, and I got to focus on them when they're with me. And then it... The work, uh, it started to pay off, right? Mm-hmm. Just their face. And, and my son still to this day brings up over and over about how he caught more fish than I did <laughs> one of the times we went fishing. And he's eight, and that means so much more to him. And so I had to stop being, in essence, selfish, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm on the water. I want to do what I want to do. And it was like, hey, I got to stop doing that. Uh, I didn't even take a fishing rod. Now I want to take him. He's getting a little bit older, so it's it's evolving. Sure. But he was younger. I didn't even take a fishing pole. I took a couple for him because he was going to blow at least one of them up, and maybe even both of them. Yeah. It's going to be a disaster. But if, if I do that and invest in him at that younger age, as he falls in love with fishing, he gets more proficient at it. I can then start going, and we can start having this bond uh, of we're actually fishing together, and we're both having a good time. But, mm-hmm. man, it's, it's a lot of work. And so don't get discouraged. I promise the first time you take your kid fishing, you're going to be all excited, and you're going to get about 10 minutes into it. Like, what in the world? I mean, it's nuts. They're hanging up on everything. They, you know, they got the patience of a squirrel. I mean, they got like three seconds looking at a bobber. If it don't go under, then they're, you know, out running and climbing trees. Yeah. But, man, there's just something about those bonds that I remember now at 43. I can still go back to those memories with my grandfather and with my dad that I will carry with my lifetime. So sure. yeah. long story short, invest in, you, invest, invest in your kids, uh, in, which is important. Even it's just as important in my mind is find someone that a kid that doesn't have the opportunity that doesn't have a dad, that doesn't have a brother, that doesn't have a grandfather, that doesn't have anybody, go invest in them. Mm. Take them fishing. I mean, what that's going to do for that kid in his life, uh, by you investing in him, that's what it's all about. It can't be all about just us. It's got to be about what are we doing to try to help not only educate, not only grow the sport, not only pass the vision or pass along the passion of fishing, Mm -hmm. but, man, what are you doing in a kid's life that doesn't have anybody that's investing into him? That I promise you, that will change your life. For sure. You'll change his, but more importantly, you will be changed how we're doing it. So mm-hmm. I have no idea why we got that deep. <laughs> Holy smokes, where did that come from? 
but it's important. Oh, yeah. Uh, for so sure. take somebody fishing. And I, you know, talking about fishing those small bodies of water, there's a chance they'll catch a bass. You're sure. going for panfish or something, but there's bass in there too. And they'll, sure they'll lock on. It'll it'll be exciting. Yeah. They, they catch a small catfish. Mm-hmm. They get that yeah. fight. I mean, hey, it's, uh, it's, there's something about it that it's just built into us as human beings that uh, it taps into something in our DNA and it's mm-hmm. a blast to do it. But we did not come to this show to talk about all that, but we got there. Today, we're there. We're talking about fishing deep. Fishing deep. Yeah. Is, is it hot? And deep, maybe, yeah. or is it just deep because this lake is deep and we need to know how to fish it? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's two different scenarios when you talk about deep fishing. So you've got, um, uh, we'll just take Kentucky Lake for example, right? That is the the premier ledge fishing or deeper fishing lake in the country. Okay, and people come from all across the United States and across the world to fish on Kentucky Lake to fish the legendary. Uh, ledges mm-hmm. of Kentucky Lake, and you can go out and catch some of the best, the biggest fish you've ever caught, and the most numbers. And that is, it's a shallower body of water, but we're we're moving out deeper, right? So we're in the deeper part of the water column. That's one one aspect of fishing deep. The other aspect of fishing deep is, uh, we'll go to the other side of the state, which is say Dale Hollow, which you know, or, or Tim's Ford, or Center Hill. Uh, any of those um, lakes that are that highland reservoir, really deep water, 100, 125 feet deep, how do you fish those? Mm-hmm. How do you catch bass when you can be right next to the bank? You could be two foot off the bank, and it'll be 30, 40 foot deep. How in the world do you try to catch a bass doing that? So we're going to hit on both aspects of it today. Okay. And uh, there's there's so much to unpack here that we won't get any close to doing it, but at least we'll give you guys some high-level uh, of what to do, what to throw. Uh, what's really cool is this is actually a topic we're talking about that came in from uh, one of the comments on YouTube, yeah. on the videos. And so, again, we said this in the last show that we did, but, hey, we're, we want to hear from you. Please engage with us, mm-hmm. uh, myself, on, on Jason Holland Fishing Social Media. Obviously, engage with Wildcast. If there's something you want to talk about, want to hear about, or want more information about, please drop in your comments. I mean, that's what continues to uh, feed the show of which direction we go. Yeah. So, hey. I'm on a limited amount of time here. Yep. We all know that I will talk in this mic for a solid 12 <laughs> hours and never even take a breath. Uh. So I'm going to try to stay on point today. So first thing I'm going to talk about is ledge fishing, fishing okay. uh, out deep. And when I say deep, that's going to be what I consider deep, anywhere from, in essence, 18 to 30 foot. Okay. All right? You can say 15. I like you know 18 to 20 foot to that 30 foot range. That's mm-hmm. what I consider deep, and that's that's relative to where you're at. But here locally in the state of Tennessee, that's what we're going to focus on. And so really what that happens is it's it's hotter, um, and so what will happen is the bait fish will uh, – first the bass will be up spawning, mm-hmm. uh, the bait fish will be up there. And in essence what happens is the bass, the predatory fish, will follow the forage fish. And as it gets hot, the balls of shad will go out and they'll suspend um, over these uh, deeper drops uh, or these humps or these uh, just l- – these parts of the lake that go from shallower to deeper, right? Mm-hmm. They, they like to suspend in that. And so a lot of times the shad will move up uh, in, in at night or early in the morning in the shallower part, and they will feed, and the bass will move up there, and they'll feed on them. And then this whole cycle, the, the shad will move out a little bit deeper, and the bass will sit there on the ledges and waiting. And a lot of this is current-driven as well, sitting there waiting in a current break, as we talked about in previous shows, yeah. to feed. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to mimic – what they're feeding on. And sure. so uh, this is where in your fishing deep, you'll throw up. Uh, typically, I will sit out in the deeper part of the water. Say I'll sit out here in 35 or 40 feet in my boat, and I will cast up to the topper part, which could be anywhere between 8 to 10 feet, and I'll either you know 
drag something across the body or I'll reel something that's going to come off in the shallower part. And then obviously it's going to have this drop. And these bass are typically going to be sitting right there on that on that um, transition part. Mm-hmm. And I want something that's coming along, coming along. And then typically when it bounces off that shallower part and where, where the, the bottom drops and my bait will be a little bit higher than that, that's where the bass will then um, kind of have that predatory instincts and go out and they'll bite it. So I'm going to throw typically a crankbaits. Okay. Um, deep diving crankbaits, baits that die to 20, 25 foot deep. Hitting the bottom, right? You got it. I want that sucker just absolutely rooting around like a pig mm. up there and just making commotion. And then what happens is, is it's coming across that shallow part. And then as soon as it pops free from that shallow part to where that drop is, triggers the bass, and then they will reach out and grab it. And man, it's a ton of fun because what's really cool is the bass that time of year are going to be schooled up. And so you could have schools of 25, 50, hundreds of fish of bass in a mm-hmm. school. And once you get when they hear, you hear the term firing up the school, all that means is it's got everybody in the school looking up saying, hey, what's going on? There's, yeah. It's time to eat. And you can just catch them over and over. And especially if you've got a couple guys in the boat, uh, I mean, you will double up. Uh-huh. All the, I mean, it's just as, as they're feeding and they get in that feeding frenzy. We hear all these terms. But, I mean, they're, something's going on and they're, they're looking around and, hey, somebody's eating. I'm ready to eat too. Yeah. You can catch fish after fish after fish. And so uh, deep diving crankbaits do really good there. Um, a uh, slow rolling a swim bait right along the bottom. And as mm-hmm. soon as that thing pops loose off that where it goes from the shallow to the deep, um, they will absolutely unload. It's a ton of fun. Um, and so really what you've happened is you basically you followed the fish all the way through the cycle. Right? So wintertime, they're out deep. Then we followed them up springtime. They went to the, the points and the secondary points. Then they mm-hmm. moved all the way back to the creeks to spawn. Then they worked their way back out in the post spawn, hitting those same points. And now, summertime, they have transitioned out to that deeper water. And so you, all you've done from a fisherman standpoint is you just follow the fish. Yeah. Right? You follow every single part of the lake where they're at. Now they're out deep. And so uh, football jigs work really good. Um, this is a missile bait. Uh, typically, uh, these these ledges and out deep are going to be uh, more rock or shell bed, so harder bottoms. I love a football jig in those scenarios. Less chance of hanging up. Right. Yeah, if you use a football head, it's just the, the way that the head is designed. It's designed to bounce around rocks, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have that that arrow type head to to get wedged. Right. So, uh, swim baits are great. Crank baits are great. Uh, big jigs are great. Um, one of my favorite is, if you can see if you're watching it, is the flutter spoon. Mm. Uh, this is actually made by a company out of Georgia called Georgia Blade. Uh, Strike King makes one kind of flutter spoon. A lot of people make a spoon, but it's a spoon. It's a big chunk of. Lead got a little bit of paint on it, yeah. And you throw it out, and you just pop it off the bottom, and does what the name says. It flutters down and looks like a dying shad. Um, great way to catch them. You'll catch some of the biggest fish in the school when you're out throwing a, a flutter spoon. Uh, yeah, and, and when you say pop, you just pull it up, right? Yeah. So here's what's great. So um, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of flutter spoons. Mm. I will actually throw them when nobody else is throwing. They look at me <laughs> like, "What are you doing? Getting a workout?" Yeah, I'll throw them. I'll throw them around like um, deep docks on Dale Hollow. I'll throw a flutter. I'll throw a flutter spoon on a on a um, a bluff wall. Okay, anywhere that a fish will be fluttering down that's dying. Spoon's great, uh, but most people throw them out uh, on the deeper ledges. But okay. throw it out, let it hit the bottom. I have a little slack in my line, and then when I when I say I pop it. I mean, I, I'm getting with it. I am snapping off, the, much like a hook set. Mm. So what you want it to do, you sit there and you want that thing just to snap up, and then, and then it'll come back and it'll just flutter back down. And that snapping, typically what happens is you'll pop it, it'll get the best of the tension, and as soon as it hits the apex and then starts to flutter down, as soon as it makes that turn and starts, that's when you get the bite. Uh. Or you'll get it as soon as you pop it, as soon as it pops off the, the bottom, they instantly trigger and they reach over and grab it. And so that's, that is so much fun. Oh, yeah. I get so... 
pumped up thinking about that bike because man, it is a ton of fun. Why are we here? I don't know. Why are Why are we talking about? Why are we not? Let's just Mr. Go Don, do it. can you shut down the recording? Let's just go fishing. That's, <laughs> yeah. Is that a possibility? Yeah. I think everybody would agree that's what we need to do. Run a rerun. Yeah. So uh, that's what we're talking deep. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to mimic the fish. And typically, it's at summertime. You're going to have the the bait fish have been growing, and so you have a a bigger bigger bait that the bass are feeding on so now is a really good time to bring out uh, your 10 12 inch worms to bring out your six you know five to six inch flutter spoons Mm -hmm. your big uh three quarter ounce to one ounce jigs these really big baits because it's matching the size of what they've had all you know this whole spring and summertime to be growing the bait's bigger Bigger uh, and so that's what they're going to be keying on from a bait size Mm -hmm. so uh do that jigs um if you get out there, you're not catching fish. You're you know that they're you're seeing them on the graph, but they're not biting. Typically, it's just the biting window is not there, or there's a lack of current. Don't be afraid to pick up your drop shot. Pick up your finet. Pick up your shaky head. Pick up your your small weights. Now, is it as much fun? No. Uh, does it take longer? And you got to fish it slower. Absolutely. Mm. But you still can go out there and salvage a really good day of fishing where you just keep throwing these big power baits, and they're not into it. You still can turn around and actually catch fish. And some of the biggest bags of fish I've ever weighed out deep has been on a drop shot. Mm-hmm. I've been on a seven-pound line with a little bitty, you know, one-aught or size one hook. Not nearly as fun, not nearly as sexy, not nearly as, you know, uh, just that uh, full-contact bass fishing. But when you need a bite, downsize. Yeah. You absolutely can catch them on the ledges uh, when you go finesse fishing. It's so. more fun when fish are in the boat. So Yeah, I mean, I love fishing. I love catching exponentially more. Uh, and so if you're not catching them on the big flutter spoons – all right, just pick up a drop shot. I mm. promise you, you'll still catch them. If they're there, um, more than likely, if you go finesse, you'll st- you'll get some bites. So yeah. don't be afraid to uh, go smaller, even if you're out deep. All right, so that is how are we on time. We okay? Yeah, we're doing good, but we didn't touch on the rod and reel yet. I know oh, geez, come on, Jason. Yeah. I mean, what rod and what reel are we throwing these, get these you, get baits you, on? Get your life right, Jason. Yeah. I mean, you come in here to talk about rod and reels, you uh-huh. don't want to talk about rod and reels. All right, so... Uh, this is my jig setup. As you can see, I kind of got a jig tied on. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, I like a 7.3. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of cash and fishing rods. We talk about them typically every time we're on here. 100% American-made, made in North Carolina, 100% carbon fiber, lifetime warranty, make their own blanks. Only one that's completely made in source United States. Fantastic. Check them out, cashandrods.com. That was my shameless plug. Um, I like a, personally, I like a 7.3 or 7. I like a longer rod when I'm mm-hmm. throwing my jig, making bomb casts, and I'm just dragging that jig. I'm counting every single rock on the bottom. Don't get in a hurry. Drag it along. Get okay. their attention. Um, I like a high-speed reel. All right, so I'm not necessarily – I'm not moving my bait at all with the reel. Let me clarify. I'm dragging it. So I'll peel up my slack, and then I'm just going to use my rod, and I'm going to drag that bait with my rod along the bottom. Not using my reel. All I use my reel for in that scenario is I'm just picking up the slack. Mm-hmm. Where I like a high-speed reel is when I get that bite, and typically it's going to be on the furthest cast you've made, and it's way out there. <laughs> uh, it's just the way that it always works. I want to be able to, one, when I want to pick up my slack as fast as I can because I'm going to have to set the hook. So he's got it in his mouth. I feel the bite. I want to reel up my slack as fast as I can, and then I want that longer rod. So when I pull the trigger and I drive that hook home, I've got the leverage of a longer rod mm-hmm. to drive that hook, especially on these really long casts. So uh, the line, uh, we'll talk about the line real quick. I'm a huge fan of fluorocarbon line in that scenario. Really uh, abrasive resistance. Abrasion resistance is the right word. Right. Um, completely clear, very little stretch. Uh, it's extremely important to have that, especially when you're making those longer casts. Um, huge fan of gamma line. 
100% fluorocarbon line. Typically, I'll give you some ranges on a tensile strength. If I'm throwing a jig, I'm in that 14 to 16 pound. I want a little bit thinner diameter. Some guys throw it on 20. I think it overpowers a little bit. Hmm. Uh, I like that 14 to 16 pound test. Now, when I'm throwing the flutter spoon, I'm 20 pound test. I mean, this is, I mean, because what happens is where you, where you, where you end up breaking a lot of your line is because you're making these long casts and you're snapping it, right? So you have the snapping whip effect mm. and your line gets pulled real tight and it stretches. Stretch and if you it. don't have enough tensile strength line on that cast and when you snap it because you want that snap to get the distance, that's when you're going to pop your line. Yeah. So you need, especially on heavier baits, that you are, you know, I'm on the spoon, I'm jerking it off the bottom, snapping it up, I'm doing big bomb cast, I'm snapping it like a whip to get it out there. Mm -hmm. Your line takes a massive amount of abuse, not just getting drug on the bottom. It's just all the stretching and pulling and tension that you're putting on it uh, as you're working the bait and you're casting the bait. So 20-pound line on my spoons and then 15, uh, 14 to 16-pound on jigs or on um, – you know, bigger shaky headworms, those type of deals. I use 20-pound on my swim baits okay. most of the time. Sometimes if it's a smaller swim bait, I'll drop down in, in tensile strength. It's just to make sure it's got the action that it needs. And then my uh, finesse fishing is still exactly the same. I'm using anywhere between 12 to 16-pound braided line with a 7-pound to 8-pound fluorocarbon leader tied on. That's my setup. So, rod, reel, line. Yeah. We covered all that? We all got the all that? secrets. All right, good. There's the real secrets. There, right there. There's the real secrets. <laughs> uh, also on my, um, I didn't really hit on it real fast, but the deep cranking rod. I like a longer rod, a 7.6, a 7.8. Again, I'm, I'm throwing out that plug that's an ounce, ounce and a quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, I use a little bit thicker line. Uh, typically, I like to crank. If it's shallow cranking, uh, I like the 10 to 12 pound. If I'm throwing a bigger crankbait, you know, this is always up for debate. Some guys are different. I like a, I like a 14-pound, something a little bit – because, again, I'm snapping a one-ounce bait. I'm slinging the bejesus out of it. Yeah. I want a little bit stronger line. If not, many times I've done that cast and just, you know, watch my bait keep yeah. sailing because I snapped the line. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's going to happen. Uh, just It will, but I like a little bit thicker line to try to minimize that. So that's fishing deep, out deep in a um, – Shallower body of water. Off the now, ledges, yeah. Yes, sir. So now we're going to transition real quick to actually fishing in a super deep lake. Uh, we'll just use Dale Hollow as a point of reference, but you can get um, Tim's Ford, Center Hill. Okay. Here in the state. Uh, you go up East Tennessee, they got some deep clear lakes as well. In those scenarios, what happens is uh, deep becomes relative. Uh, you take a Kentucky lake or you take a Old Hickory Lake here, deep is going to be that 40-foot in less range. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, the average depth of that lake is, I think Old Hickory's, I'm going to quote me on this, but it's somewhere in the 30s, like mid to high 30s mm -hmm. is the average depth uh, when you look at it from a channel standpoint. Well, you got to Dale Hollow and you're sitting in 100, 100 and a quarter. Yeah. Like, how in the world do I catch a bass in 125 foot of water? Well, everything changes in that scenario. So they, they do not relate to the bottom. Right, so they're not relating to the bottom because it's 125 foot deep. Yeah. So they're they're not relating to that. Now, uh, you can move back up into the creeks, and they do start relating to the bottom a little bit. But uh, where they where they relate is two things. One, they relate on vertical drops, right? And so that's where they don't they don't sit on the bottom, but they relate to a vertical drop. If you actually, uh, they'll be turned. Facing opposite way what you think they're facing. They're actually facing the rock wall. Uh, okay. So they suspend and they don't face out looking toward the the depth of the lake. They actually look at the at the uh, at the bluff wall. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we won't have time to go into why they do that, but they do. Uh, and then also, they will suspend. A suspended bass is probably the hard, one of the hardest bass to catch. The bass that you'll never catch is a spook bass. You'll never catch him. Um, the other scenario is dirty. 
ice cold, dirty water, uh, and typically a clear lake, it's a nightmare. Mm. It's almost impossible to catch them. They're not going to bite. Yeah. Very rarely. The I think probably the thirdest hard, the thirdest, thirdest? Thirdest? I, is, that, is that even a word? The third most hard? No, he's the no. Mr. Dodd's like, yeah, no, Jason, you're no. a moron. The third most. Hey, there's murdering the King's English over the here. The third hardest. The third hardest. My wife's going to have fun picking me on that one. That's great. <laughs> Listen to that, yell, and tell how dumb I am. Um, the third hardest bass to catch is a suspended bass. And just because everything that you're used to thinking and doing completely changes. And so you have to get baits that will draw them up. Mm. So uh, things that work really well depending on time of year, but a, an umbrella rig, sometimes called the okay. Alabama rig. Yeah, we've discussed that we before. We have. Uh, an umbrella rig is a fantastic way. We'll absolutely call them. Because typically in those scenarios, you're dealing with very, very clean water. Mm. right? you got this uh, highland reservoir, very clean water. Very clear. And so they they transition from, say, an old hickory, which is a silt bottom, and they're primarily the way that they they work is at looking for uh, profile against the dirty water, and mm-hmm. they're also on vibration. In a clear water and a clean a cleaner water or clear water lake, you're gonna deal a lot with sight feeding. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually pull those fish from a greater distance. Uh, and that's why an umbrella rig an umbrella rig works great. Mimic that shed. You got it. You got it. And so you'll pull a lot of fish and you'll have a lot more opportunity there. Uh, Another thing that works great is jerk baits. And so where you want to look is let me back up. So rod and reel, um, Alabama uh, umbrella rig, Alabama rig. There's very specific rods for that. I personally like a 7.6 to a 7.10. Uh, heavy action, uh, heavy power, but with a faster action. I, I like a lighter tip because I'm I'm finessing that more. I'm not just tanking and cranking and winding, which mm. some guys do. I'm actually making that um, umbrella rig flare. I'm, I'm making it have movements yeah. instead of just chunking reel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do that, you're gonna you're gonna wind up getting you're gonna get more bites. Really, what it boils down to. Uh, and then a jerk bait rod. I like a my personal favorite is a six nine a six six to a six nine. Uh, I like a medium. With an extra fast tip, right? Because I'm I'm jerking that, and I want that tip. It gives me that real fast erratic action. If yeah. I if I got a, a a tip that's not as fast, I won't get that that um, erratic action as much. So uh, I throw that both of my throw on fluorocarbon. Some guys use braid on the Alabama rig, but I don't. I like fluorocarbon. Yeah. Um, so you're looking to draw fish up. Oh boy, here we go. I want to wrap up fast. Uh, another great opportunity is to throw an underspin. Well, it's a jig head with a little bitty blade, uh-huh. uh, and it's got a small little, um, like a zoom fluke. All right, we're familiar okay. with that on the yep. back of it. Uh, and that you'll just kind of throw out the same thing you're doing. You're not going to go 100 feet deep. The idea is to figure out where these bass are holding, and typically it's right underneath the ball of shad, and typically 30 to 40 feet. Okay. And you're going to count down. You're going to throw your bait out, and you're going to count down. Typically, you're about a foot a second, depending on how, how heavy the bait is. And once you get down to wherever depth that you need to be at, you just slowly reel it back. And I promise you it's painful. And it's going <laughs> to test every bit of patience that you yeah. have in your body. But it's a great way to catch them when nobody else is catching them. Uh, everybody else is waiting for it to be super shallow, and then they just quit fishing. Go out fish deep, throw an underspin, um, throw a jerk bait, uh, throw an, uh, an umbrella slash Alabama rig. You'll catch them out deep in a Dale Hollow, uh, even in the dog days of summer. So... Still a lot to go in there. We'll have to pick it up in another show sure, and dive yeah. a little bit deeper. But um, come check me out, Jason Holland Fishing, all the social media platforms. Please engage. If you've got questions, let me know. Don't forget your three most important things. That's your faith, your family, and then fishing. All right. So keep them in that order. Thanks again to Mr. Don, Mr. Jason for having me on Wildcast. It's my favorite thing to do. 
So hopefully you guys will have me back and we'll do it all again. Yeah, that's good to hear. Your favorite thing to do. I yeah, I that. mean. Other than fishing. Other than, Well, that <laughs> kind of goes without saying. I mean, Jesus and fishing, they, yeah. those two beat you. But yeah. other than that, okay. yeah. yeah, you're there. I'll let those win. Uh, like uh, like you said, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here with us every week. Uh, and Jason, thank you for being here. It's uh, been fun. This is Tennessee Wildcast. Remember tmwildlife.org for all things outdoors in Tennessee. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife.